that we've been fundraising in place for several months due to COVID-19, let's check in with the latest information on the wealth effect of charitable giving. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the fundraising school, and I'm joined once again today by my good colleague, the Executive Associate Dean of the Indiana University Lilly Family School Philanthropy, Dr. Patrick Rooney. And Dr. Rooney's been with us many times on this podcast, talking about a wide range of subjects associated with fundraising, uh, including his national and international expertise on the wealth effect of giving. And Patrick, thanks for much, uh, so much for being with us. Uh, back in March, you helped us get started trying to understand what the virus crisis could mean for charitable giving. Now we're several months in, you know, we've seen ups and downs and downs and downs and some ups with the economy, uh, which has fundraisers wondering, you know, what can I do today? What can I do in the future? Knowing that people donate for many different reasons, but how much they give and when often is determined by how much money and how much wealth that they have available, this wealth effect of giving. And one of the statistics that jumped out for me was uh, back in April, a 33% increase in savings in the United States. Uh, and wondering as people were working from home, not spending as much money, uh, that they were putting money in their savings accounts, certainly to guard against job loss and another economic downturn, should we have a second wave and slam the brakes on the economy again. But then the following month, we saw significant spending, the highest monthly increase in consumer spending. So people were willing to spend some of that money, which had me wondering, are they willing to donate that money as well? So I thought I would call you and help fundraisers make sense of all this. When you hear that data about the savings rate, what do you think that could mean for charitable giving? Yeah, thanks, Bill. And this is a, a great insight on your part to think about this because, again, like all dimensions of what we're doing and experiencing right now today, we're really in uncharted territory. And with, um, you know, we have data to inform what we're thinking, but it is kind of unprecedented. So, um, you know, I just want to give that caveat that we may be shooting from the hip, so to speak, more than than normal. You know, because you know, when you see an increase in the marginal propensity to save of 33%, I mean, that's just unheard of, right? And so, you know, that suggests kind of a risk aversion behavior so that people are, you know, enhancing their precautionary savings, concerned about either their own job loss or the, that of their partners, um, or further decay down the road, um, uh, uncertainty, you know, causes risk aversion, right? And so, uh, and what we know historically, if you just look at the data historically, the correlations between the savings rate and total household savings, that there are small but negative correlations with both total giving and household giving. And they're not particularly statistically significantly strong, but there is something there. And so uh, if you just looked at that data, I would say, well, this huge increase in the propensity to save is bad for philanthropy. But I think that we can have a more, I'll, I'll choose a more Pollyanna look, outlook on this and say that when you see this kind of um, bifurcated impact of, of the COVID crisis, you know, you and I are working from home, we still have our income, we have reduced dry cleaning expenses, we have reduced commuting expenses, uh, we're probably not going out to restaurants as often and things like that. So therefore, we may have more cash on hand, which facilitated our increase in savings. So that cash on hand and increased savings for those reasons 
may in fact allow philanthropy to become even bigger than it might have been otherwise. The other reason to be optimistic, and this is something that you know, economists and accountants might disagree on how these things are counted, but when economists think about you know, holding savings, at some point that becomes wealth, right? Accumulated wealth. And so it goes from precautionary savings, uh, if you hold it long enough, now you start thinking of it as wealth, and if it continues to grow, it becomes wealth. Well, we know that the marginal propensity to give out of wealth, while not huge as a coefficient, makes a dramatic impact on giving. So for every 100% increase in uh, wealth, you see at least a 7% increase in household giving. And so, you know, while that's not uh, as high as we might hope it would be, you know, keep in mind that wealth is a stock, right? You know, it, you know, once it doesn't come in every year, it's not a flow. And so if you give away $7 out of every 100, um, you know, you, you can't do, if you give away 70%, you wouldn't have much of your stock left, right? So um, 7% might not meet everyone's aspirations, but keep in mind if that's 7% every year, um, that it has a meaningful impact on total giving. And again, we want to be very clear with a couple of things here. This, none of this conversation is meant to minimize the serious economic pain that so many people are feeling and that so many households and employers are feeling. Absolutely, that is very real and is very prominent during this virus crisis. And again, we're not making any predictions at all about what is happening or what will happen with charitable giving in 2020 and beyond. We're just kind of looking at some of the current data in real time, laying that up against Dr. Rooney's expertise and that of his research colleagues and faculty colleagues at the Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, and just kind of wondering, hmm, if I'm a fundraiser, what could this mean for fundraising moving forward? And Patrick, if I understood you correctly, that a huge bump in savings in the very short term might depress charitable giving for a while. I put that money into savings for a reason. Uh, yeah, I remember the 08, 09 recession, not doing that again. I'm uh, gonna make sure I have some money in the bank. I just experienced March and April and May. You know, wanna make sure I have something in the storehouse just in case. But then we saw this huge influx of charitable, uh, excuse me, of consumer spending in May. And what people were purchasing with that 17% increase, the largest monthly increase in recorded history, according to the government data, people were buying big ticket items, automobiles, putting a room on the back of their house, putting in a swimming pool, um, you know, fitness equipment, large expenditures, which again had me thinking, yes, there's still the money in the storehouse for now, which might become wealth later, which could lead to charitable giving perhaps, as you uh, speculated. But there is some willingness for some of these dollars to go to this big ticket spending. How did those data strike you? And, and again, what could that mean for charitable giving now and in the next 6, 12, 18 months? Yeah, thanks, Bill. I think those are important points to, again, not make a forecast from, but but to say, to hypothesize. So, you know, this, this increase in the marginal propensity to save might suggest a risk-averse behavior, but then followed the next month by some kind of binge spending, let's call it, um, suggests that, uh, you know, that is kind of a more of a, you know, non-risk-averse behavior, and that if people are willing to spend on big ticket items, they might also be willing to give. They may have had kind of a target savings amount. So this is one of the things, like behavioral economists will say, you know, people want to have 
you know, target savings. Um, they're not, they're not rigid. Most people are not rigid about saving, you know, 5% or 10% of every dollar they earn, but rather they want to have a certain amount of money in the bank. They want to have two months or three months or six months um, of accumulated savings as precautionary. Once they have more than that, then they may feel at liberty to spend and or to donate. You know, one of the things we think about um, in terms of, of people giving is, uh, you know, uncertainty creates, is kind of the enemy of investment in the private sector. It's also the enemy of philanthropy. By having adequate savings, that might create some greater household certainty and stability uh, for those who are fortunate to save. And again, we want to acknowledge that the, the COVID crisis-induced recession is very uneven in its impact. You know, you and I are working from home. We have our same income. Our next door neighbor may have lost their job or their right. partner may have lost their job or they may be forced to be at home caring for sick ones and so on. So a uh, very disparate impact, both from the health perspective and from an economic perspective. But what we're seeing, you know, in terms of uh, the philanthropic impulses may be ignited by those who are able to save and accumulate. And of course, as we fundraise, our case for support remains preeminent. Our relationship with our donors and the stories of those individual donors are preeminent. Uh, and folks need to continue to do their fundamental work in terms of fundraising. And we're just looking at economic data and what that could mean as fundraisers are planning, knowing that there are nonprofits that are struggling, there are nonprofits that are needing uh, to lay off, that we'll see lower fundraising returns this year, absolutely no doubt whatsoever. And yet, the data suggests that there is possibility, even during the pandemic, with our fundraising. Patrick, last topic, kind of kind of big picture. You know, what do you think about the stock market? You know, we've seen the, the S&P 500, which you've taught us numerous times, is a barometer over that 12-month period to help us understand potential for fundraising. And, you know, as we record this in mid to late June, uh, the market has, you know, briefly matched where we were in January 1, has stayed kind of 3 to 5% behind where we were on January 1, but is where we were back in November of 19. Back then, we thought the market was doing pretty great. So right. when you think about the stock market, what do fundraisers need to be watching for here in the second half of 2020? Yeah, so Bill, I think one of the things that you know we know from our, our prior research is that donors don't give based on day-to-day -day variation in the stock market, and, and thank God for that. Um, uh, I think that would have a deleterious impact on giving if we, if you know, we're too much day to day. Uh, if we're you know, day traders and day givers, uh, that might be a problem. Um, but they do look at trends, and so to the extent that we have kind of a, a nice, you know, we had a, a pretty hard hit uh, at the beginning of the recession, but now we've had a nice sustained gain. In fact. My youngest son, I don't know if I told you this, he came up to me and said, Dad, you know, I want to put some money in the stock market. It's really low, and I want to put some money in the stock market now to take advantage of, you know, I think this is a good buying opportunity. And I said, well, James, you do the research, and I'll match you dollar for dollar, and we'll have, a, you know, our kind of a COVID crisis stock fund, and uh, we're up over 50%. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I love the fact that, you know, he's taking his hard-earned cash and you know taking some risk with that but is also you know he didn't go crazy we you know we were careful about what we did but he but i think like that there'll be some others who had some windfalls right so if you buy low and sell high you're always ahead um it's the people who 
uh, you know, sold right away when the market started going down that, uh, you know, those locked in, uh, you know, losses. But, uh, you know, the, the stock market overreacts in the short run. But in the long run, it, it does reflect value and it does reflect, you know, the kind of profitability of the economy. And so, you know, as we see the economy starting to open up, um, as long as we don't have, you know, a, a wild, you know, you know, throwback shutdown, kind of boomerang negative effect, I think the stock market will continue and that by year end, we may see um, substantial gains uh, compared to uh, where we were. Uh, certainly at the start of the year and, uh, you know, at the de- certainly compared to the depths uh, following the, the, the correction. And again, when we talk about the stock market, uh, Dr. Rooney is specifically referring to the S&P 500. We right. watch that 12-month change uh, over the course of a year to help us understand what could happen with charitable giving now and in the future, we also need to think about the stock market predicts the future. They're looking three or four months out. So when the stock market's going up, they're not really thinking about what's happening today. They're trying to predict what's going to happen down the line. Uh, and so to keep an eye on that. Now, all this uh, can be informed as well by our new Giving USA research. Uh, again, our podcast uh, in the middle of June with Dr. Anna Pruitt laid out that summary. We have that archived on our website. Uh, Again, the results from 2019, nearly $450 billion donated, uh, the second highest total after adjusting for inflation since the data had been recorded for about six decades, and also continues about a six-year trend of the most charitable uh, giving uh, trend in in the time that the data have been captured. Uh, So now we've got some momentum coming in. We'll see if it continues, knowing again that many of our donors and many of our nonprofits certainly are struggling and facing hardship. These data from Giving USA and the conversation today with Dr. Rudy can help you plan for today, tomorrow, and into the new year. Now, all this information uh, becomes part of our courses at the fundraising school. We are still open for business. In fact, now more than ever, we're open 24 7 thanks to the internet, and it's all under TFRS at your desk, the fundraising school at your desk. You'll find these podcasts, our monthly Fridays with the Fundraising School conversations, information about our public courses, which are available online, and some of them later summer, early fall, could be back in person, consistent with university, local, state, and federal policies, of course, so stay tuned for that. But with any of our public courses, you can apply for a crisis response scholarship that reduces the registration fee by 50%. All of this on our website at Philanthropy. Dot iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. With Dr. Patrick Rooney, I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school. Mm-hmm.